0: Sex is a type of natural release. It's a very naked, spontaneous, very let go kind of, uh, dance to have. So, you know, how do, how do we do that in a way that takes it to the heights of where it can go and be responsible and safe and like that? And our answer to that is, is really to, to be present, to be awake. How do we talk about
1: sex? When thinking about uncomfortable conversations, it's always one of the first questions that come to mind. How and when do we talk about it with our kids? How do we talk about it with our partners? And in thinking about things like the Me Too movement and realizing that we're at an age where we need to have safer boundaries around sex and healthy masculinity and femininity, It's one of the areas of life where we need better communication and better language. Today, our guest is Irwan Davon. Over the last 25 years, Irwan and Alicia have successfully taught over 12,000 singles and couples how to have exceptional relationships. Irwan is the founder, senior teacher, and president of San Francisco based Irwan Davon Teachings, and together with Alicia, they specialize in supporting singles and getting into passionate and successful relationships and helping couples take their relationships to new heights of romance and intimacy. Being based in the San Francisco Bay Area, Irwan and Alicia provide a high-end boutique service that gives their clients an effective way to enhance their relationships. And they also offer all of their coaching and classes online and support students all over the world. Welcome Irwan to the third place.
2: welcome you to explore the third place with us
1: it is an invitation to the gray space a space where deeper connections are fostered through challenging, challenging empowering and, and engaging dialogue
2: you will walk away with a deeper understanding of self equipped to engage with others in life's complex conversations
1: thank you for listening
2: we invite you in to the third place Hello, third placers. We are so grateful to have Erwan Davon here with us today. Thank you for making the time.
0: Uh, my pleasure.
2: So you and your wife are both relationship and sex coaches, and we brought you on today because we want to talk about communication about sex. When David and I were talking about how uncomfortable the topic of sex can be, we asked each other what our first memories were talking about sex, and my experience um was, I'd say, tr- like traditional sex ed in school. But also, I happened to be like in the youngest of five at the point that I was ready to have that conversation with my mom. I did, so I felt like a little bit of an outlier in that way. Where I was, I can say, go back to that. And David's experience was totally opposite, right, David? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I came from a religious family and honestly it wasn't that it was strict religious um but um you know we were much more focused on abstinence um and and my approach was like I, look I want to have the healthiest version of a long-term relationship that I can in marriage so how do I pursue that so um it it, w- it was religious but I wouldn't say strict um but it definitely was you know coming more from this abstinence perspective
2: yeah, so yeah, I'd love to hear you know your your experience around just those two polar opposite really approaches and what is out there currently and your role in that. Well,
0: most people don't uh, talk about sex very much. You know, the the interest level on a scale of one to ten is probably an eleven. Um, but, uh, the level of conversation about it is probably a one, you know, even if you go to a cocktail party and everybody's kind of turned on and sort of interested, it's probably not what they're talking about. Um, most people's experience is probably closer to David's, although it might not be religious, you know, it's kind of a repressed topic. And, um, you know, in my family, my parents got divorced when I was uh, about four and I don't have any memories of them together. So the whole area of romance is, is uh, challenged for a lot of folks and it was very challenged for me. So the idea of talking about uh, sexuality and sort of learning about it in a healthy way, the idea didn't even occur. It was really, you know, I grew up in Manhattan in New York City, and it was really in the streets of New York (laughs) that I learned about that. And then I, you know, I sort of had to unlearn what I'd gotten through osmosis from my parents individually, and then unlearned what I'd sort of picked up from my uh, high school friends and There was a lot of, uh, you know, I came out to California and workshops on self-development, got a psychology degree, all kinds of stuff, and uh, did a lot of studying of sexuality and orgasm and relationship and romance. And uh, it is definitely an awkward topic.
2: So is it easy to explain to your uh, peers, maybe at this point now in your career, but um, have you ever been looked at differently by being attracted to having such a conversation and a career that revolves around it?
0: Oh yeah, I mean, yeah <laughs> I mean there's like you know a lot of the the topics that we do for events, for example we we can't promote them on uh, Facebook or some other platforms because they'll get taken down just by you know not even by a person, just by an algorithm. And it's a hot topic for people, and it's a topic that most people shy away from. So the interest level may be 11, and the conversation level may be one, and the actual people practicing engaging in sex is probably closer to the one, you know, at least with other people, you know, because nowadays a lot of people engage with pornography. We don't have a moral issue with that, but there's some, you know, there's some, some causes, some problems for people. Um, so yeah, you know, and people do look at us differently, even though most of our work with people is in them being present. So for example, the the homework assignment we give people the most, you know, we have hundreds of students and, you know, we ask them to meditate every day. Now, the next part of our method is psychological inquiry because there's no, you can't really get to sex quickly. I'm not, I'm not even sure you really want to get to sex quickly, especially with all the issues. So, You know there's a lot of psychological inquiry in a person figuring out what their relationship blueprint is and what they inherited from their parents and all the rest of that then we get into masculine feminine dynamics whether it's a man and a woman or two men or two women or however that goes you know sort of polarity and romance then we get into the stages of relationship then we get into sex and orgasm but simply by virtue of the fact that we cover it (laughs) people do uh look at us differently. Platforms look at us differently.
2: I love that you pointed that out because I was listening to something with Deepak Chopra uh, just this morning and he was talking about just the conversation of yoga, that yoga is like fourth on the list of actual of the practice, like the tangible. It's all the things that precede it that are a part of yoga that often get overlooked um, when it comes to the depth of that conversation. So I love you bringing that into full perspective for sure.
1: I'm hearing that and, and thinking that, um, you know, of course it would, sex would be like later down the road. Like to be naked isn't about just the physical presence of being naked, but to be naked, getting there emotionally, getting there with all these stages and then sex being kind of this last stage of being completely vulnerable and right. So, so that's why I think it gets weird is because obviously sex is one of the most intimate, private things that we can participate in. And we, in in many ways, need that privacy uh, for the safety of our emotion and physical beings. But also, there just would be so much more if we could get that needle to move from a one to a five, or even a one to a two, so that we can talk about it in a much healthier way. Mary and I recently interviewed a woman to talk about periods. And it feels very similar to this. Like, this is clearly, in some ways, private and it should be respected in that way, but also we would do our society great service if we could learn how to talk about it in a healthy way. Like, what do I need to know as a male employer about women's um, cycles to help create a better work environment, which helps the gender gap conversation? So I think that that's where it gets tough. And so I'm curious to know, like how do you break down these conversations what does the environment requirement look like to even have these conversations
0: yeah yeah there 's a couple of things you said I really want to highlight, David. One of them is it is a conversation or or a practice that should have some privacy to it um, you don 't want to have sex with everybody you know that's that 's dangerous' It'd be we're to have a lot of people on the planet um, but you also don 't want to be in kind of locked down into a one like you can only. Be at a one in terms of conversation, even with your husband or wife or intimate partner, boyfriend, girlfriend, or like that. You want, you want to have, you know, the ability to engage. So, what the environment looks like, uh, the reason we start with presence, let's talk about the inner environment first or the relational environment. Presence. Is consciousness, is awareness, you know, in an embodied form, at least the way we, we define it. That's safe. If somebody's present with you, you, you feel good. You like them. <laughs> uh, there's, there's awareness there. You're seeing, you see them. There's consciousness. Things, things go better. People are, uh, more kind, uh, more dexterous, more, uh, they take the other person into consideration. They have more skill in conversation, but also more skill touching, more skill sensually. So ultimately, the context is, is really presence. We, we don't have any uh, viewpoint about people should have sex before marriage or they shouldn't have sex before marriage or this or that or whatever or they should only date one person, or they should date a lot of people. But we do recommend, if you're going to have sex with somebody, make sure that you two are present. Maybe it's five, maybe you're at a sex party, and it's like five minutes into the party. If you're both present, great. You know, maybe it's the 20th date, the the people are not present together, and it's probably a terrible idea, because you are naked emotionally, physically, um, psychically even spiritually I mean sex is how being or life how being creates more beings it's you know it's, pr- it's pretty intense
2: so I love that you mentioned that too because that you really briefly touched on this but I think it's important to decipher or and I'd love to hear your take on the difference between sex and sensuality too just because I think that those get wrapped into one thing and i'm i'm curious how you either marry those two or if you do keep them in separate buckets and what that means to you
0: yeah yeah let's let's define sexuality sensuality and let's let's throw eroticism in just to kind of sort of round it out which brings up a good point which is a, a lot of times people don't talk about because they they don't have a language they don't even, like where would they even begin <laughs> you know to talk about it like if you right. look in the dictionary under orgasm it says the climax of sexual tension well that could mm. just as easily be an argument as, as an orgasm so orgasm has a whole bunch of clinical signs involuntary contractions in the genitals and so on so for the most part people have difficulty talking about uh, sexuality, not only because of the charge and the awkwardness of it, but what would they even say? So let's define a few things. Um, sexuality is, um, opposites coming together and forming some kind of union. Right. So typically you have a male and a female. Right. But you could have a male and a male. So then how does that work if it's a male and a male? I grew up in Greenwich Village. I live in San Francisco. So I got a lot of exposure to how that works and how that works is you have one guy who's more feminine and one guy who's more masculine. You know, and I saw a lot of man man or woman woman relationships and they were both kind of masculine or both kind of feminine. It didn't, you know, the, the sex wasn't really shaken for those folks. They even had this thing like they put a handkerchief, a red handkerchief in one pocket or a blue handkerchief. And they had a whole like code about this. Very, very interesting stuff. Hmm. So sex is difference coming together, kind mm-hmm. of like a battery. You know, a battery has a positive pole on one end and a negative pole on another end. If you have two positive poles, there's no circuit. Of electricity happening now you actually need that difference and it's one of the problems nowadays is that um, even folks who traditionally would have called themselves more liberal have kind of actually moved into a sort of instead of kind of promoting diversity and differences, it's it's, kind of more like sort of shut sex down, like kind of anti-masculine and anti-feminine, like everybody's supposed to be sort of homogenous or something like that. There's a lot of, I'm not conservative or liberal, but there really is a lot to the the conservative criticism about the cancel culture, you know, just like we could criticize the conservative side as well. But anyway, there's kind of a flattening And a decrease, even, uh, testosterone levels, uh, are down about 50% in the last 50 years. I mean, that's, that's massive. There's a, there's a real flattening. And that's, Mm. that's something to do with plastics and all the rest of it. But there's, it also has to do with the culture and so on. So, so sexuality, this kind of difference coming together and making a sort of an explosion and a new life and a lot of fun is kind of, kind of on a decrease. And, and that's sex anyway. And uh, sensuality is your senses, you know, tactile and auditory and, you know, smell and all the rest of it. And your senses, your embodiment is critical for sex. People are very distracted nowadays, you know, very in their heads. And if we're present in our bodies, right, you know, whoever's listening right now, you can just take a moment and feel your body. Mm-hmm. And you notice, like, ooh, something kind of comes online. Feeling the body and being present kind of go together. Oh, that kind of goes together with feeling erogenous zones in the body. Kind of goes together with being turned on and lit up. You know, kind of goes together with being interested in another life form, you know, especially whatever gender you're attracted to. So sensuality and sexuality have are uh, very related, very influential. Now, eroticism is... Um, the way we define it anyway, is more like what goes on in a person's head. Usually to get with somebody sexually, the two people kind of have to get through each other's filter, each other's relationship blueprint, each other's psychology, you know, that kind of thing. So that takes the sexual impulse, the sex drive, that relationship blueprint, that psychology, and it kind of, turns it into something a little different, right? Like some people need to be on top. Some people need to be on the bottom. Some people need, you know, only attracted to people who look like this. Some people only attracted to people who look like that. Eroticism can really, the typical is some kind of dominant submissive thing. Mm. And, you know, most people require a little bit of that on one end or another, to get with somebody else. I'm not saying that's good. I'm not saying it's bad. Some people require a lot of that and they can only get off if uh, the person is exactly this height or they can only get off sniffing bicycle seats or something like that. So eroticism can really constrain who we're open to having sex with or how turned on or willing to be, you know, there's a lot of ageism, there's a lot of sexism, there's a lot of all kinds of stuff to kind of, you know, sort of uh, limits that. So it's good to know your way around your own psychology and around somebody else's psychology. Males and females, on average, have different things going on there. You kind of have to have a sense (laughs) of what's going on with the opposite sex, you know, because you people have psychic stuff going on.
2: Yeah, I think it's so interesting because everything that you just said, I'm sitting here thinking about what about the, and I'm I'm not sure of numbers, but I would imagine it's a small population of people that are considered asexual, and how would they participate in those three arenas, the sexuality, sensuality, and eroticism, or what is, uh, what is different or altered for their experience? Do you know anything about that?
0: A little bit, yeah. When you say asexual, do you mean somebody whose biology is right in between the two, or do you mean somebody who's just not engaging in sex?
2: Um, Someone who is not engaging in sex is, is my sort of initial take on that.
0: Yeah. So I uh, personally, I wouldn't call them asexual. I would, I would just say they're not, enga- I mean, I think we're all sexual, <laughs> you know, um, but you're right. There's a lot of people who are not engaging in sex. In fact, probably most people are not engaging in much of it. And on average, when people get into a relationship, the honeymoon period ends and the sex life decreases, you know, for some people after a few dates, for some people after a few months then there's usually further declines after engagement, after marriage, after kids, you know, as people get older. So there is a a movement in that direction, what we're calling asexuality. Um, So, you know, how we work with that with people is we sort of remind them that they are sexual. And every time we pass somebody, even in the street, That is the gender that we're attracted to. There's something that goes on inside of us. And if we acknowledge that, you know, when you acknowledge something, you notice it more, it it increases, you feel it more. Like if, you know, if you want to buy a red Tesla and all of a sudden you start seeing red Teslas everywhere, right? So if you kind of know like, yeah, hey, you know, I like women, I like guys, I like this, I like that, whatever. And you acknowledge what you're experiencing as you pass that kind of person, even on the street or maybe, you know, I remember... Once in Manhattan, getting off the subway car, and then this woman was getting on the subway car, and we just kind of glanced at each other, and there was like a whole relationship in about one second, (laughs) you know, so acknowledging this this. Um, way that we're polarized, that gets the energy uh, moving. Then, you know, talking about it, doing, we have a set of sensuality practices we have for singles, we have a different set we have for couples actually doing some sensuality practice. For example, one of them for singles is... um, just setting your environment up for your senses, you know, light light some incense, turn on some new age music, you know, take, we take it all the way up to masturbation and having some erotic literature or something and, you know, not using a screen, you know, that kind of thing to get that energy moving like that. For couples, we recommend they spend some time uh, each day with one person laying down, another person sitting up cross-legged by that person's side, putting their hand on the heart and the chest of the person laying down. And there's a whole style of of communication and the first five or six of those practices are not sexual at all. They're just sensual. Right. Just about connecting and being with each other physically. And then the last five are more sexual. They get all the way to stroking and extended <laughs> orgasm and like that. So we would we would encourage people who consider themselves asexual. Well, if they're coming to us, they're interested in sex. So we would give them kind of a pathway to acknowledging that sexuality in sort of m- micro bits. So it's safe, so it's easy, so it's pleasant, you know, and then it just kind of builds up. Usually it's something that wants to happen. The biggest complaint we get from people is that it's not happening and they want it to happen. <laughs>
2: I was just going to say my initial take would maybe that it would be um, that being with stages prior to the actual act of sex would maybe be harder for men and more igniting for the woman. Is that mostly true or a total myth?
0: Yeah, on average. On average, it's definitely true. As guys, we're often like A, B, want to go to B. We're kind of sort of focused on that. You know, Delisha and I want to drive someplace. I mean, it's a little stereotypical but like i want to take highway five the direct highway she wants to take the nice road highway one see all the you know (laughs) it's usually a better way to go actually and uh you know it's a it's a different way of approaching things and it's good to learn kind of how the you know how the other thinks, and it's good for guys to slow down and enjoy the the flirtation and the micro gestures and wow this this feels good and it you know things go a lot further if if I'm here enjoying myself, not trying to get to some end result. And for women, it's it's on average, it's good to acknowledge and tell the truth. Well, well, you know, I am that nasty or that interested in that kind of stuff, even if, you know, I don't want to put it out there so blatantly, which is probably a good idea in most cases. But it's good to acknowledge that and know know that there's something, I think, for each sex to learn from the other.
1: Well, and, and when you were kind of talking through sexuality, sensuality, and eroticism, you talked about like the mind being a barrier. It reminded me of a quote I heard a while ago that just said, the furthest place in the universe is the space between two minds. That is this journey of sexuality and eroticism is like taking the time to to really unpack all of those layers. And to the more closely that we can get to each other's minds, that very much feels like it plays a significant role in healthy sexuality. I really have loved all this conversation so far. It feels like I have now many more questions to ask. And, you know, it kind of comes back to we need to figure out how to talk about this more and, and honor the privacy of it all, but also like how do we bring this to the conversation? I kind of have a selfish question. Um So you have a young son. I have a two and four year old, both boys. And Mary has a son. Um, so selfishly, I'm curious for you, what does, quote unquote, the talk look like to your son, Um, especially as I part of what I'm thinking, too, is we're just at the beginning of having better conversations around things like the Me Too movement and and uh, better balancing uh, the tension between over masculinity and an underrepresentation of healthy femininity and moving a little bit cl- closer to equality in that way. I, I would really love to hear You know, your advice about what the talk should look like for both young men and women. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, the first thing is that I think what we model is the most important um, because kids pay a lot more attention to what their parents are doing. Versus what their parents are saying. So sort of modeling a healthy, uh, masculinity or, uh, femininity, I think is, uh, is probably the most important, you know, uh, modeling a healthy relationship or a healthy dating life or just, you know, however, you know, however that goes. I think that that's the most important. And in terms of the conversation, one key ingredient is having that conversation when the child is ready and wants to have that conversation. Um, one thing I find is that, you know, I talk to Aiden about the things that he wants to talk about. Like, I want to talk about his schoolwork. He doesn't really want to talk. He's to start a kindergarten. He wants to talk about, like, the snacks. You know? <laughs> so I talk to him about the snacks. Right, right. <laughs> and now we usually end up then talking about his schoolwork. So, you know, I think that's one ingredient is not to inflict the conversation. I think another important part of the conversation is to to understand that, you know, diversity is good. It's, you know, reality likes difference. It likes that there are people who are masculine and people who are feminine and people who are mixed and people who are more masculine, less feminine, more feminine, you know, whether they're male or female. or whatever. It likes difference. And... To really listen to 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 oneself in its sort of deepest sense, a spiritual sense, if you will, or biological sense, physical sense, sort of, you know, that one's inner self, if you will, um, to to see, you know, how one is, so that um, so that there's what I call real diversity, right? You know, it's it's good to have folks who are one way, folks who are another way, and not again have it inflicted in a um, conservative, stereotypical way and like kind of, kind of let things organically move. That's kind of the, the main theme I'm, I'm thinking for uh, what we recommend. We coach a lot of parents, you know, how to talk to their children. And then that, you know, that leads to the, the child being it because children want to talk about this stuff, especially as they hit puberty, but it has to really be kind of on their terms and it's such an awkward charged topic and people are so positional about their viewpoints that usually it's inflicting some religious message or moral message or you know cultural message or something like that to actually not do I used to live in a Zen monastery and the the sort of theme of at least Zen is like, if you meet the Buddha on the road, kill him, <laughs> You know, see what's real for you, you know, <laughs> oh, wow. so to ha- have the conversation yeah, and yeah. like really look, you know, really, you know, really, really pay attention. And there's usually a much brighter world and a much brighter, uh, sexuality in that reality versus in the sort of mind, mind perspectives. I, I love
1: that. Just like the modeling aspect and, and, even with Buddhism in, in mind, like trying to put more and more energy into what is the healthiest version of me, which helps me be the most healthiest version with my partner, which helps us model healthy. Like it's it sounds like uh, the best advice is to to put in some of that work, too, so that you're setting yourself up with a, for the healthy family conversations.
2: So I have a four and a half year old he will be in kindergarten next year, so I can very much relate to the stage of parenting you're in right now. He he's really identifying as a boy at this stage. Like it's very clear. It just it, a few months ago, it was like whoa. Like it's he's starting to model more after his dad or or echo some of those things. I am noticing that he's noticing in characters or figures or you know physical um, attributes is what he's noticing and calling out the most. Right. So with this very specific thing at this age, what have you done with Aiden, for example? to start to model or form that healthy sexuality when the physicality seems to be at the forefront with how they're defining their environment at this stage. Yeah,
0: yeah, we let him pick whatever toys he wants to play with, basically. You know, let him do what he wants to do, or, you know, parent has a daughter, let uh, the daughter do what she wants to do, kind of let it go organically. But, you know, um, Alicia and I, you know, we're only going to, Expose him to a very limited amount of our romantic life, and before Aiden came around, I noticed that like we'd have all this, you know, sort of hot sex and and not do much kind of like hugging and kissing. I'm kind of a New Yorker, right? You know, so like let's have hot sex. You know, like you know, enough of this California (laughs) hugging, kissing stuff.
2: (laughs) You know, the the highway route. You know, with a child,
0: like okay, you know, he's not going to get anywhere near our you know, deeper sort of sexual part of our romantic life. So we're really deliberate about like kissing or hugging or showing affection or sitting on a couch and having our arm around each other. So that he gets to see, oh, there is a romantic relationship there. And I think that's very, very important. Uh, Alicia was blessed. She, I have great in laws. Her, her parents have that. For example, her father has just the right amount of like, oh, my little girl and that kind of like sort of celebratory aspect of that without it being too much and exploitive. For too little, yeah. and the woman or you know the girl doesn't get to really find her femininity. She needs an appropriate polarity, even with the opposite sex parent. Not too much, obviously. So that's you know that's how we go about that, sort of demonstrating an appropriate level of uh, romantic affection. That's perfect.
2: So yeah, when we're so when we're thinking a little bit, just to dive even a tiny bit deeper with the Me Too movement, so much of my, like, fear and intensity and passion around raising a young man is that I want him to be conscious of the other partner that he chooses and the way that he perceives them. So I'm noticing, like, this cartoon character, the printout, she had very large breasts. And he asked, he's asked about that five times in the last two days, right? So what would you say in response to that side of it too to in the conversation side besides the modeling or or is it more the modeling that creates an impact between you and Alicia that your son would be able to witness and internalize well the
0: the modeling is important but if he's asking about it you know you have to say something about it so um I would say you know be be relaxed about it. Say yeah, you know she does and that's uh one of her capacities and cool. <laughs> you know she, you know I would
2: I've said, here's what else I noticed too. So I said, yes, and basically. Mm -hmm. So.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I would, I I would, yeah. You know, I would, I would acknowledge it, be relaxed about it. That's a great way to respond, yes. And she's, she's got these capacities and those capacities. And some people have small breasts and some have big breasts. And, you know, it's really important is that you feel your body and it's good that you're noticing that. And I love that you brought me that question. See, inquiry, you know, inquiry is learning. So the biggest thing we teach people is to inquire, inquire into their being, inquire into their uh, masculine, feminine, sort of gender polarity romance, you know, inquire into their, even their, their schedule and how they're living and does their day look like they want it to look. Most people when they actually look at their calendar, like, well, actually, I'd like there to be a lot more fun <laughs> in there, but to inquire. Because when we inquire, inquiry just naturally moves towards truth. So, you know, again, kind of not so much giving answers, but, you know, more like, yeah, isn't that interesting that you notice that? And what do you think about that? And teaches the person really to look uh, for themselves.
2: Yeah, that's great. And and validating, because I think sometimes I can come from a place of, because that's such a passion of mine, and I feel a tall order, that it can feel not light to me and so it's so important to anchor back into the the lightness of just that encouraging his curiosity and his inquiry um so i have one final question and i'm sure that you've been asked this a thousand times or or maybe not but i'm do people assume that you guys have the best sex life
0: uh do they assume that we have the best I, you know that's a good question um I don't know if they assume that, (laughs) you know, uh, we have a great sex life. We do our sensual practice every morning that usually leads to a lot of stroking. We're big fans of, uh, starting things out with female extended orgasm because it really gets the sort of the energy rolling and then her appetite really increases and, and like that. So we do that most mornings and, uh, You know, I don't do it from a political viewpoint. I do it more from, uh, you know, I just like my old lady being really turned on, you know, and then, uh, you know, and then we kind (laughs) of, you know. Sex is a type of natural release. It, it's a very, you know, I love that word you used earlier, David, like it's a very naked, spontaneous, very let go kind of uh, dance to have. So, you know, how do, how do we do that in a way that takes it to the heights of where it can go and be responsible and safe and like that? And our answer to that is, is really to, to be present, to be awake.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it feels very much like just one of the pillars of what we feel is the third place of leading with curiosity, you know, asking the better questions. Um, and so, uh, makes sense uh, that that's how we can learn how to ask better questions within ourselves, but with also our, our partners. So, um, I know that people are going to want to connect with your work. So how can people get in touch with you and learn more about uh, all the things that you offer?
0: Yeah, I'll say a little bit about that. My wife is usually the one who (laughs) says things about that. So I'll do the best I can. Um, So for folks who are interested in working with us, what we recommend is a free love life insight session. And uh, Alicia, my wife, does them. Uh, She's awesome. It's a really personal conversation. It's a safe conversation. It's a private conversation. And you can share whatever's going on in your romantic life. And, you know, something opens up uh, in that conversation, be it you're sharing about challenges or goals. A lot of times, people's goal is things are pretty good, but it's romance and sex, and they want to take it, you know, to the next level. That's, That's kind of our favorite type of goal but sometimes people have real challenges and what Alicia' will ascertain is if we can support you and if we can then she'll tell you about our programs and give you a recommendation for what would be the best fit. If we think we can't support you and something else would be better we'll you know send you in that direction. We have a lot of resources. and you can set up that uh, love life insight session by texting our school and the phone number is 415. 415- three zero eight nine five eight zero that's four one five three zero eight nine five eight zero and there'll also be a uh, link i think in the uh in the show notes um so that's how you set up a love life consultation if you do that you'll get a free video which is the five keys to a successful relationship where we go through our whole method i briefly touched in on it uh earlier and um, our website is www.pleasurecourse.com. That's www.pleasurecourse.com. And our most popular course is Mastery of Relationship. And that's a group coaching uh, community type of program. It's a weekly class. Uh, we have other options like intensives and individual coaching and that kind of thing. I love talking to you Mary and David we love supporting people in this it's a really a blessed life and you know we'd be happy to support you
2: well thank you and I think that you would make Alicia proud I think you did great just then <laughs> <laughs> thank, you. We, thank you we really appreciate you coming into the third place and having this uh conversation and that the the fact that we were able to pull out a couple of questions that you thought were good I think that's a good sign so
0: <laughs> yeah you both were an absolute pleasure to be with
2: well um, give our love to Alicia and thank you again for being here and uh, we will make sure to have everything in the show notes for all of our listeners be well
1: third place podcast is produced by podcast publishing house if you like what you're hearing follow us and subscribe at all of your favorite platforms apple spotify Also, check out the episodes on our website, thirdplacepodcast.com, for additional resources and transcriptions of our episodes. The Third Place is all about continuing the conversation, so make sure you follow us on Instagram and Facebook at ThirdPlacePodcast. There you can check out our weekly co-host, Happy Hours, on IGTV. And if you like what you're hearing and want to continue to support our work, you can check out our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash thirdplacepodcast.